0: welcome all of you that are joining us this morning. We uh, got some work going on outside and we're going to dig around a little more in scripture about the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and mercy. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that we are not alone. You said you would not leave us as orphans and we're thankful for that, Lord. We need your help in every facet of our lives. We're just not that smart, Lord. We need you to guide us and lead us And we just pray for your guidance and we thank you that the Holy Spirit is here to guide us. We thank you that the Word and the Spirit agree. And we're just excited, Lord, to be a part of your plan. And we ask that you would help us to do your will in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, we're going to look at one more thing in the Old Testament. I've really been trying hard to establish the reality that the Holy Spirit's always been here. He's always been active. There was definitely a change on the day of Pentecost. Uh, But uh, the Holy Spirit's always been working in and out of the world and with people. Uh, And David talks about it in Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, he's actually having a conversation with the Lord. In Psalm 139, verse 7, he says, Where can I go from your spirit, which is capitalized? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell or Sheol, you are there. Uh, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. Your right hand shall hold me. If I say surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. So he mentions the spirit of the Lord there in verse 7. And so they were, the, the Holy Spirit was available to people from day one. But like I've stressed many times in this teaching, uh, the difference between having access to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit actually going home and living with you and inside of you. Which springboards off of what Jesus said we've used many times, that he said the Spirit's with you, but he shall be in you. And that was the change that was coming for people who believed in Christ. And I was thinking about that, and I was having a conversation in the last few days with somebody. I was thinking about how uh, the New Testament has access to the Holy Spirit, unlike the Old Testament folks, in a greater measure, we might say. Uh, But yet it seems like the Old Testament folks had more faith than we do. I mean, they, a lot of them, they just took God at his word, which is what we're supposed to do, right? Just take him at his word, uh, like little children, I think's how Jesus puts it. When your children are little, I know when they get older, they start getting smarter than everybody else. But when they're little, they take you whatever you say, you know. You take your word for it, and that's how God wants us to be with him. But as we get older, and we let life get a hold of us, and we think we get smarter, Sometimes we choose our own ways instead of the Lord's. So we read this in one of the sessions, a few, two or three sessions ago in Acts. So let's go to Acts. I want to reread this a little bit, and then we're going to start talking about the Holy Spirit's activity in the New Testament in these next few sessions before we quit. <clears throat> so in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost had fully come, and he says when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that they're all, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven of the, as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house with where they were sitting. So we had the Holy Spirit show up when Jesus was being baptized. Of course the Bible says Jesus was filled with the Spirit. Also it says John the Baptist was baptized or filled with the Spirit in his mother's womb. So he certainly came out with a distinct advantage uh when he was born but it says they were all told to go there if you remember Jesus told them to go wait for the spirit to come in the measure that he was getting ready to be given into the new testament believers and said when the, when he came as as a dove so the holy spirit can and I don't I don't believe the holy spirit was in an animal but I believe his ascension was that would remind you of a dove. And here again, he comes and it's like the rushing mighty wind, but it's the Holy Spirit showing up. So he's obviously more pronounced here uh, in this moment. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and they set each on, uh, set up on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit, which is capitalized, gave them utterance. And then something uh, uh, miraculous happens. That's miraculous. Uh, and then these people that are around, they, have, they take note of it. And they were those dwelling in Jerusalem. We read about these from different places. And, it, and verse 6 says, And as this occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. So, obviously, these people who are being filled with the Holy Spirit did not know all these languages. But, obviously, the Holy Spirit knew all these languages. So, he used these folks, and they actually proclaimed the gospel, the good news. They they heard uh, them speaking, and they were all amazed. And Marvel was saying, uh, look at all these who uh, who speak Galileans, or not all these Galileans. And as, how, how is it that we all hear them in our language? And so different languages, that's what they were hearing. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, all that. So this is a miracle. They were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? But in verse uh, 11, it says, we hear them speaking in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So the Holy Spirit actually just using these people as a vessel. And he's trying to reach the crowd with this miracle. And they were all amazed, and then others mocking, they were full of new wine, saying they were full of new wine. So you have that in the church setting, of course. When the Holy Spirit uses somebody or does something in the presence of people, you always have those who believe and those who mock, those who don't believe. And and a lot of things happen with that, right? Our brains get in the way uh, we got a religious slant and so we can't come to God's word with an open mind uh, just a lot of different things can happen so we're all raised with a slant so when the Lord called me when I was still I was hadn't been married yet I just told my mother I said I'm just going to get my Bible and I'm going to block out all of men's ideas and just go read it for what it is and I spent three years doing that and uh, and I found out that All groups had some stuff that wasn't biblical as I started reading the Bible. And I thought, well, they don't believe in that, and that's clearly in here. And they've been telling me this all my life, and it's not in here. (laughs) Uh, So one of the things, and I don't mean to burst anybody's bubble, but you've heard people say, and I heard this growing up, that when the end of time comes, you won't be able to tell one season from another. That's not biblical. That's totally opposite of what the Bible says. In Genesis, it says, seed time harvest and the seasons will remain until this is all done so uh, I don't know where people come up with that but you there's a lot of that over time but uh, you can certainly tell one season from another still and God put that in that's that was Enoch talks about if you believe that he wrote those things uh, Enoch talks about how God gave us seasons so we could estimate our lives and we could remind ourselves that there's an end to this and yada 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 so anyway uh, the Holy Spirit has come, done a miraculous thing. When I was a young boy, probably 8, tenish, ish uh, the Vietnam War had just ended, and a lot of our guys were coming home. A lot of them were coming home with brides. You know, they would married somebody over there. And uh, one of the guys who came home was in our church, uh, and he brought a bride from there who could not speak English. And she was very little. And she could. Uh, she was concerned about her family because it was. She came from the war-torn part, and uh, she hadn't heard from him for a while. And there's this lady in our church who she's still alive today. The Lord used her to speak in Taiwanese to her to give her a message. And this woman had never studied Taiwanese, but so God can do miraculous things. He, it's His Spirit. Now this is this is what's different. Uh. <clears throat> If you go back to Isaiah, this is what changed in the New Testament. Isaiah, the Holy Spirit revealed things to him and he spoke them out or pinned them down. Uh, In the New Testament, uh, I guess he got his leg kicked out this morning. Uh, The Holy Spirit wants to dwell inside of us and speak through us. And sometimes he bypasses our intellect like he did with these people. And actually I've seen that myself. So the Holy Spirit now lives inside of us. That's his desire. And then his greatest desire is to consume this person. We use the word baptize. Which is not a... Not a um, religious word at all we made it one it just simply means to be immersed or consumed by so that's the Holy Spirit's design and desire in the New Testament that not just a prophet can hear from God but all of us can be have the Holy Spirit living in us and we can be immersed or consumed with the Holy Spirit that's what changed that's what happened to these people here in Acts and so they were able to be used by the Holy Spirit bypassing all of their faculties, because none of these people had learned all these languages, so they were the Holy Spirit bypassed their faculties and used them as a vessel, and that's that's hard for people to get a hold of. Um, especially we live in such a uh, natural world to think that God would supernaturally override things, which we read about that all the time in the Scripture. I'm sure some of you've seen God override things in your life with a supernatural element, and it's really not explainable. But that's what the Holy Spirit can do. And that's what separates Christianity. One of the things that separates Christianity uh, is the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of those who believe. Um, So let's go to Romans chapter 12. As we saw this, the Holy Spirit given there in the measure he was given to the New Testament, and that's why I feel like if the Old Testament people could have talked to us and said, Hey, you guys got a day coming where you guys are really going to be filled with God's power and strength. and I just wonder how disappointed they'd be in the modern church. How many of us would have took our son up on the hill to offer him as a sacrifice? How many of us? Jochebed's vastly uh, fastly becoming my favorite person in the Bible. The way she took her Moses down and set him in the river. Having faith i mean that's 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 not that's beyond the intellect when you can reach a hold of god's word and everything about his word looks contrary to what you see in the natural, and you still take it and do it so uh the thing that we won't obviously we're definitely not going to get concluded today this is another problem I think that we see. Uh, and we got people who misuse and uh, there's really no good balance with the Holy Spirit in our world today because you got churches that don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. And then you got the other side that get in the flesh and call everything the Holy Spirit and he, sh- and he shouldn't be getting blamed for it. But in Romans 12 here, we're going to see some things about the Holy Spirit, the gifts. and uh, And because of translation problems... We got out here in 1 Corinthians, a lot of people call these gifts. uh, But actually, the correct rendering in 1 Corinthians 12 is the manifestations. So we got two things that the Holy Spirit does through people. He brings gifts and he brings manifestations. We're not going to break all those down. We just want to look at where they're at in the scripture. And then we'll come back next week and start breaking them down. But it says, I say unto you, in verse 3 of, of Romans 12, and let's just back up to verse 1. It says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, whole and acceptable God. Now, that's what they did on the day of Pentecost. Jesus gave them instructions, said, you go wait. And they went and waited. Now, that's a, another problem we have in modern church. People don't want to wait for anything because we're used to going through the drive-thru and using the mic- so we don't, we don't want to wait on God. Most people's prayer lives is probably less than five minutes a day, if they pray at all. So there's no, there's no waiting and being still. We have no concept of some of these cathedrals, or even kudos to those people at Crazy Horse, of a, a long-term plan of where it might take generations to fulfill it. Some of these cathedrals that were built around the world, some of them took over 100 years to build them they've been working on crazy horse i think since the 40s or 50s out in south dakota <clears throat> they've been offered money by the government over the years and everything but they see it as a generational thing and the father's certainly has already passed we don't have any concept like that that's why we've raised a generation of people who have all these problems because there's no patience no endurance and so you watch people they'll go through a drive through they'll get mad at a drive-thru if they have to wait more than three minutes and uh then they, didn't, they don't think about how long it would have taken them to go to the store and gather all the stuff and cook it. So three minutes is still a short time compared to uh, what you would have talk, taken to fix your own meal. So, But we've trained ourselves that way. Uh, and so these guys, these 120, went to the room, the upper room, and they waited for the Holy Spirit. And so he's telling us here. He says you should present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. So and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now notice, he didn't go after the actions there; he went after the mind. And y'all, if you go back on YouTube, I've got about two months where I spent preaching on the difference between the soul, the spirit, and the body. And that's that's our problem. It's our mind, and it's not just a problem. A lot of people say, well, I don't think like the world. I don't think. But a lot of times our mind can still get in the way because we don't allow the Holy Spirit to take us into the supernatural realm because we're confined. We don't think God would do anything out of our own intellect. He did plenty out of people's intellect. You think Jochebed, if she'd have thought that through, thought it would be a good idea to put Moses in a river? That goes against every one of our intellects. Same thing uh with noah why build a boat when it's never rained before you just go right down the line of these people that when god asks them to do certain things their intellect and i one of the other ones is gideon gideon stuck with 300 guys when god's done with him but god does it in such a way that he gets the credit for and we don't we don't we we know that it's him when it's when it's over uh, because, let's just face it, as smart as we may get, uh, or at least we think we get, and as wise as we think we get, without Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we're no match for Satan. He would chew us up and spit us out. Without the Holy Spirit and without Jesus Christ, we don't have, we're no match for him. He's, we're not the Johnny or Janie come lately that the devil don't know how to deal with. He's been dealing with men for 6,000 years. He knows how to get at us. Our defense is our faith in the Lord and doing things that he's asked us to do. If you read the Bible, there's all kinds of things in here that would make your brain mad. Be weird. Uh, And even today, when God may ask something of us. Be transformed by the noon of your mind. He said, don't be conformed to this world. And a lot of times, that confirmation is not something fleshly and evil. It's just our mindset. Just our mindset. We don't, we don't really open up to who the Lord re- really can be. That you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so you've heard me teach this before. There's one will, not three. This has been butchered by preachers. Uh, there's one will, and God's will is good, acceptable, and perfect. And a lot of people say, well, God's got a will. That's not, that's not God. God's. Uh, let me explain this before I go further, because... There's one will, and it's modified by three adjectives here. And if you say that God has a... I think I used to hear this growing, God has a permissive will. Then you make God less than perfect. God's got a will for each one of us, and it's good, acceptable, and perfect. All right? Now, if you and I are not in His will, it's not that He's got a permissive will. It's that we're experiencing His mercy until we get in his will. God don't have options for you and I. (laughs) He's got a plan for your life. Jeremiah said, I knew you before. He told Jeremiah, I knew you before I formed you. He called Cyrus by name 500 years before he ever showed up on the earth. God has a will for your life. His will is good, acceptable, and perfect. Now, if you and I are falling short of that, then it's not that God's okay with us being in a different will. It's that we're experiencing his mercy until we see his plan and we step into that will, and his will. So he has a will that's modified here, and that will is good, acceptable, and perfect. He says, For I say, through the grace is given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So God wants us to stay humble and realize that it's his spirit that gets things done. If there's anything getting done in our lives that's eternal. It's being done by the Holy Spirit, not by us. He uses us, just like we saw there in Acts. He uses us as instruments, as vessels. But if anything eternal is getting done, Washman Nee says it like this, and I I reference Washman Nee a lot. He's the Chinese guy who was tortured and all that and uh, left us a lot of good stuff, who was dedicated. But he talks about how if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to break forth out of you you can touch people with your intellect you can tell them good stories you can move their emotions but if you don't let the holy spirit come out of you you're never touching their spirit you can move their how many times have you seen people come in and talk about missions and people get fired up go on a mission trip and six months later they ain't even serving god their their emotions get moved right And and I don't mean to just pick on one area there, but that that happens a lot. People give people good stuff. If you'll notice, even in our pulpits today, there's a lot of self-help coming out. They feel good about it, but their spirit needs to be touched. That's the transformational thing. And so, Washman E. talks about how if that woman hadn't broke the alabaster box, the fragrance wouldn't have come forth. We have to be broken so that the fragrance of God can come out of us but a lot of people think the value is the box. So they, keep, they want to keep their box intact instead of being broken by the Holy Spirit. And so the fragrance of God can come forth. Listen, the world don't need to see another one of us. They need to see Jesus. They need to see the Holy Spirit. That's what's life-changing. Seeing another preacher doesn't change people. Seeing another you or me or whatever, that's not life-changing. What's life-changing is when the Holy Spirit... And Jesus come forth out of us. And that's the design behind what the Holy Spirit's doing in the New Testament. That he would come out of us. And so he gets in and he says, I say the grace is given to everyone who is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have members in one body, but all members do not have the same function. So we being many are, a body, are the body of Christ individually, members of one another, having gifts Differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it as in ministering. He who teaches in teaching. He who exhorts in exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You think about these things that God hands off to people. Um, the one some of them that go unnoticed like exhortation you know there are people in even in this church that are exhorters they they never they are always trying to encourage other people they have a gift to do that and some of them use it on me at times too they just have exhortation they're they're really trying to encourage others with that gift Giving, being liberal with your giving. Showing mercy. Have you ever seen somebody do something good for somebody and then complain about it the whole time? (laughs) Show mercy with cheerfulness. You know, and you've seen that with people. They'll help somebody and then complain about helping them the whole time. Um, So these gifts that we have to use, when you're given a gift from the Lord you become a steward over it, all right? You are that you become somebody who's been given something to use by God, and you become a steward over it. Now, everybody don't have the same gifts. Everybody don't do the same thing. Uh, if, and he, Paul talks about that in Corinthians. In fact, let's go over to Corinthians chapter 12, and let's look at these uh, manifestations. I just want to introduce these to all of us today. Our time's running out. Uh, it says in, in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, now concerning spirituals, that's how that, should, that would read in the Greek. Gifts is italicized. It's not in the original language. So it would say, now concerning spirituals, brethren, that's how that would read in the Greek. There would be no gift. The gift is not in the Greek text. Now, concerning spirituals, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however, you were led. Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit, capitalized, of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit, none of that stuff's reality unless the Holy Spirit is in someone. There are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are diverse differences of minist- ministries, but the same Lord, and there are diversities of activities, but is all the same. God, who works in all. All right, So he's talking about spiritual things. He made that clear. Then he talks about the the power of the Holy Spirit being in us, just briefly there. And then he starts talking about the gifts, the diverse gifts, the different ministries, all right? difference of ministries. And there are difference of activities. God does things his way. So he don't always do the same thing in the same way. But the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation. Here's something you need to pay attention to. But the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now he's talking about manifestations here. He says, uh, for the one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues, which we saw in Acts. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each individually as He Wills not as we will, but as he wills. So, what we'll do for the next till we get done with this season here, for the next two or three sessions, however long it takes, we're going to talk about. We're going to look in the Book of Acts. We're going to define these gifts and these manifestations, and show you how the Holy Spirit works. And obviously, you can see in the in the Bible how the Holy Spirit works. So. The last thing I'll say to you, and here's the argument some would use. Where Paul said, when that which is perfect is come, these, some of these things will be done away with. Well, Paul was writing that after Jesus had already died and ascended. So he's talking about his second coming. Because Paul and his boys were active in all of these manifestations and gifts. So Paul's referring. It's that's clearly seen. I don't know why people do that. They just do it to bolster their own ideas. They don't want to change, I guess. But when Paul writes, the Holy Spirit writes through Paul and says, talks about the miraculous. Because when we get when Jesus comes back and we get to heaven, everything's going to be over. We'll be going back into eternity. But Paul's writing that, practicing all this. So obviously, it wasn't done. After his first appearance on earth, he's talking about his second coming, but we'll get into all that. Father, we thank you for this time uh, this morning. We thank you for teaching us, and we ask for your guidance, Lord, uh, to teach us, Uh, and if we err, we ask for you to lead us in the path of righteousness for your name's sake, Lord. May you get all the glory, Lord. we're We're not as high up as we think we are, Lord. We certainly need you. In every facet of our lives. And we need the Holy Spirit. And we're thankful for you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.